Armstrong, common sense health expert. Welcome to the Wild and Free Healthy You podcast. Without your health, there isn't much joy in life. So here we talk about all facets of health, including lots of unconventional strategies, tools, and solutions from a holistic point of view. This podcast is all about motivation, inspiration, and expansion of your mind, your body, and your spirit, because your health is your number one asset, and my job is to help you protect it. Now, on to today's episode of the Wild and Free Healthy You podcast. This podcast does not provide medical advice. The purpose is to promote consumer knowledge and information on various health topics. Always seek the advice of your qualified health practitioner. Welcome to the Wild and Free Healthy You podcast. I'm your host, Lenny Wennerstrom. My awesome guest today, I'm super excited about this, is Dr. Paul Pierce, president and owner of Nova Biologicals, Inc. Dr. Pierce is an assistant professor of pathology at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston as well. And Houston, Texas, he holds advanced degrees in microbiology, chemistry, and physiology. He is a practicing microbiologist and a recognized laboratory director in the areas of environmental, toxicological, and medical testing. Dr. Pierce founded and has managed and directed Nova Biologicals, Inc. to its current status as Texas's largest independent drinking water laboratory and leader in specialty microbiological evaluation, testing, and related remediation planning. Dr. Pierce is currently involved in providing scientifically valid and appropriate responses to emerging issues related to environmental quality and homeland security. His special interest is improving our nation's water safety cycle. So we're going to talk about all things mold today, and we're, and maybe we'll get into water as well if we have some time, and maybe there's mold in the water. Who knows? I also want to... Yeah, well, I also want to mention, because there's just... Look, like his thing is like pages and pages, so I could go on and on. But um, he also has a Bachelor of Science degree from Sam Houston State University, Huntsville, Texas, Master of Science degree, University of Arkansas, Fayetteville, Arkansas, and a PhD in microbial immunology. He has spent several years working in the hospital industry as a clinical laboratory director, specializing in microbiology and the pathology of microbes before establishing Nova Biologicals 25 years ago. So um, you can tell he's, oh, I disappeared. He's highly esteemed and knows what he's talking about. We're going to have so much fun talking about this today. We're going to talk about mold, the financial implications, health implications, and living conditions. And just we're just going to talk about mold and um, and how it is affecting our society. So happy new year again. <laughs> we tried this right. last well, Tuesday. Happy new year to you. Thank you. <laughs> and, and here we are again. So I'm so grateful for that. So you were in Conroe, Texas, which is close to, um, that's very close to uh, Houston. So you're in a moldy area, right? Yes, we're in, in uh southeast part of Texas and of course we just last year we experienced uh, another hurricane Hurricane Harvey which uh, has created a number of mold issues and many many homes in southeast Texas and what is that what does that look like for you have you personally experienced mold I mean besides remediating or work I don't know I keep going out and in sorry um, have you ever had issues with mold you personally how did, how did you get into the mold? How did, how did you get into learning about mold or studying mold and, and all of that? Start well, there. the fungi or, or the molds, of course, in a clinical setting, in a hospital setting or in a doctor's office setting, there are certain types of molds, certain type of fungi that are pathological that cause fungal infections. And from a laboratory standpoint, uh, there's quite a bit of use to detect and um, identify the, the mold that are the fungi that's associated with a, an infection. In the environmental mold arena, it, that is a, uh, a little bit different in that there are so many kinds of mold that the uh, the ability to collect samples, to test samples, to identify mold from the environment is uh, much different because there's so many more. You know, it, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. But in in the entire world, about 25% of everything biological is a mold, and so 25% of our biomass uh, is is moldy, is mold. So are you serious? I, I got involved. <laughs> Twenty-five yeah, percent. Twenty-five percent. 
the mass of the biomass in the world is, is mold. We don't see them, but they're there. Because it's everywhere. microscopic. So, it's, so it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you're going to experience mold. They're everywhere. That's exactly right. They're ubiquitous. That's a 50 cent word for just, uh, for saying that they're everywhere. And mm -hmm. the, uh, particularly in Southeast Texas, where the humidity is high, the temperature is high and hurricanes come ashore with great frequency, we get a lot of water and a lot of, uh, uh water damaged buildings, schools, homes, uh, churches, and office buildings and the way okay. we thought with it was as you mentioned we are a specialty microbiology we are a specialty microbiology lab and when a lot of the mold problem began to emerge back in the oh the mid 90s late 90s uh, there were many homeowners who were concerned about mold and they contacted us to come in and do uh, evaluations of their home to test in the air if there was mold in the wall cavities if there was mold on the furniture uh, if there's mold in the closets and that's really the way we got started on the environmental side of it uh, the, the unique thing about Nova is that we have this clinical background of this familiarity with clinical aspects of, of fungi and uh, mold and so we we're able to bring that to bear uh, that experience to help others uh, particularly deal with the mold that occurs in their home particularly after the home gets wet it floods or roof leak or something like that so mm -hmm. is it uh, there was just a concern uh, about the health effects of the mold and uh, the effect that mold can have on the quality of the value of a homeowner's uh, dwelling. I come up with with practical and cost-effective ways to evaluate their house and then uh, clean up the mold and hopefully prevent the mold from coming back. And uh, we're, we're still having, um, you're coming in and out again. So hopefully we'll be able to get through this interview like we weren't able to last week <laughs> because it's, uh, it's well, difficult. So. Yeah. Is it the sound or is it the, the video? No, the video's great. And it's so nice hmm. to see you. <laughs> but it's the, well, yeah, it's the well. sound. It, it gets that little, little monstery sound and then I, I can't hear. Hopefully it'll come across good in the, in the, um, in the recording. So I have um, I have all kinds of questions about mold because I'm in these toxic mold Facebook groups and and I have a, a sister-in-law who is suffering horribly from toxic mold uh, syndrome and and I just know of so many people have been affected by it and um, it's what what it, I mean I know there are different it's a fun you say it's a fungi or fun fungi you call it is it fungi or fungi or is it tomato tomato <laughs> but. It, the correct pronunciation is fungi most of us pronounce it fun they all mean the same thing mold okay. fungi fungus yeah we'll, we'll call it fungi because that sounds more like fun and it's not fun <laughs> so um what how how do you go about do you actually remediate do you go in and remediate or do you go in and test it and find that it's there or what what is your role what is nova's role well nova's role is diagnosing the problem is going into homes and buildings and actually taking samples doing a, a visual examination and testing samples for the presence of mold and also testing to determine if there are conditions that are conducive to the growth of mold. For example, uh, we use a moisture meter to determine whether or not the wallboard is wet. If wallboard or sheetrock is wet, then that's a good 
indication that uh, mold can grow there. Mold love water. Uh, and so whenever there's something wet, whenever there's building material or uh, a substance that's wet, that is wet, then the mold has a tendency to, to grow there. And so we go in and we do the inspection, we take pictures, uh, we evaluate the entire house, we ask about the history of the house, have there been any water leaks, any flooding, any toilets overflowing, uh, flooding, uh, roof leaks, just uh, any uh, issues with water intrusion within the home. And so we take pictures of that and take samples if we need to. We use two primary types of sampling. We do what we call a tape lift sample where we actually see visible mode, what we believe to be visible mode, we take a piece of uh, clear scotch tape or packing tape and lift off a, a sample and <clears throat> examine that sample under the microscope to determine uh, if there is mold there, then what type of mold or what the predominant type of mold is. And then we also collect air samples, high volume air samples, and we can, for those test results, we can determine uh, what the level of mold contamination in the breathing space or in the air is, mm -hmm. uh, what that uh, level of contamination is. So based on the test results, then we are able to write the remediation plan and we don't do the remediation we're just the assessors and the uh, the diagnosticians and then the uh, homeowner will uh, contact a remediation company and that remediation company will come in and follow our remediation protocol for eliminating the mold and eliminating the potential for uh, regrowth of mold we have a mutual friend. So it's kind of a team effort. I'm sorry. Oh, it's a team effort. No, um, I was I was going to um, say that we have a mutual friend, Wayne Blakely, who oh, um, yes. who created the um, he has the Living Streams mission, and it's probiotics, so it's bacteria, various kinds, and and, and he he mentioned or he told told me that you had told him that mold the the exoskeleton or the, the the part around it it is um as hard as a diamond and there isn't anything except fire that can kill mold and um and then his product the mold relief is is the other that the only thing that you found and he didn't um from what i understand he had no idea it was you that approached him and said how does this kill mold and he's like i have no idea and and then you it took you I don't know how long before you ten years seven ten years or something before you figured out how it took you a long time to test it how it kills mold can you can you talk about that well it's been a long time <clears throat> been a long time since uh, Mr Blakely and I have have spoken but the. Uh, moles or fungi are living organisms and they are susceptible obviously they're susceptible to fire but they're also susceptible it's like uh, bleach household bleach is a good uh, disinfectant and it kills moles it kills the the spores and the vegetative part or the hyphae part there are other uh, anti not antibiotics but uh, disinfectants that are out there on the marketplace that will also kill the mold and it'll kill both mold spores and the vegetative part of, uh, or the hyphae part of the mold. And so it takes, you know, some agents like uh, bleach, for example, is a strong oxidizing agent. And when it oxidizes mold uh, spores or oxidizes mold hyphae, then it destroys their ability to reproduce. It, export, it, it destroys their ability to grow. Uh, some other disinfectants interrupt the, uh, the biochemical mechanism within the mold and within the fungi, and they each have their mode of action based on their particular, that particular disinfectant's uh, chemical structure. So mm -hmm. um, 
exactly how they work. Uh, you know, it, it, that's a kind of a lesson in biochemistry and, and physiology, but uh, each of them have a specific way in which they, uh, in which they are active against mold and, and uh, against the fungi. So I'd have to go back and look at, at Mr. Blakely's uh, literature to, to uh, remember what we really, uh, what we found out back, back at the time, but I, I do recall that it was quite effective in uh, killing mold and killing fungi. And in fact, I think we got it, I think I first met him back uh, when, back maybe in the mid 90s, early 90s, when mold was beginning to gain uh, a, a level of interest when a lot of hurricanes seemed to be coming through Louisiana and Texas. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, he, he had mentioned that it's the amino acids, it's the acid that um, when you, when it touches the spore, it literally dissolves or cuts through or something obliterates the hard exterior, that diamond hard exterior, and um, the DNA leaks out. And that's so it kills, but it has to touch the, the spore. The, uh, that mechanism, it's not well defined yet uh, because there's not, there's not been a lot of research on that, mm -hmm. but the, uh, the mechanism of, of uh, growth for fungi is really unique and it, it has, there has to be a certain degree of uh, pH or certain acidity or certain level of, of base in order for that mold to grow. And if you interrupt that with uh, some solution or some disinfectant, more. so the amino acids can do that if they're properly balanced. I'm sorry, if, if, if they're properly what? The disinfectants uh, do that to a certain extent. If they're properly balanced. Okay. If the, so the pH, you mean like, so when you say base, you're talking alkaline? pH is acid. properly balanced for mm -hmm. that particular mode, pH. Mm -hmm. Right. Alkaline acid, acidity, alkalinity, yes. Mm -hmm. and, and so... What do I, I the uh, toxic mold summit is on and I've, I've been watching it for a couple of weeks and and I had asked you if you uh, met Dennis Hooper or know of Dennis Hooper and um, and you mentioned you know of him but mm -hmm. he he said that he has seen nothing that is able to get rid of mold he's he's like a mold expert and um, he said he hasn't seen proof that mold is gone, not even with hydrogen peroxide or enzymes or anything that it, um, oh, he's a director at real time lab. And, and so he's, he said, no matter what happens with mold, it just, I, I think he mentioned it always comes back because he just hasn't seen that it's dead. How do you know when mold is dead? What does it look like? Well, it's, um, just by looking at it, it's almost impossible to tell whether it's dead or alive. Mm -hmm. And uh, for example, if mold is growing on a um, an environmental surface like a piece of sheetrock or a piece of of a wall board, uh, if it's a if it's a particular mold, say stachybotrys, if it's grown on that wall board, it grows in a certain fashion, and However, if you treat that with a disinfectant, you kill it, but it doesn't go away. It, it stays there. It looks like there's mold on it. Okay, wait. Um, I'm so sorry. The, the idea wait, of wait, really on. getting rid of mold. Okay. It, it's, yeah, the, the audio is really bad, and so I'm missing like really pertinent parts of what you're saying. And I want the audience to understand. So when you kill it, with this disinfectant of any kind, um, whether it be Wayne's product, whether it be uh, any uh, bleach, which I, un I understood that actually mold likes bleach. Uh, it grows on bleach or it comes back with a vengeance. So maybe I'm wrong there. Um, but that it still is in the wallboard. It still is in the paper covering the wallboard. Is that what you said? 
yes, the, the dead organisms are still there. So you don't really know if you kill them all. Kill them all. Oh. And um, is, is it, do you know about like the, the wallboard that people are putting in their homes unless it breathes that, um, that no matter what, you're going to have mold because it doesn't breathe and because uh, it's, they use like recycled paper, they use like they'll take stuff from grocery stores and just slap it all in there and then create the paper. So you've got jelly and peanut butter and food stuff. And, and then they put that on the wallboard. And so basically, no matter what, you have the right, the right situation with moisture, and you're going to have mold and the temperature. Do you know anything about that? If you have moisture and temperature on any type of wallboard, mold is going to grow. So uh, that's just something that we've all kind of learned to live with. Mm -hmm. And... The, the wallboard that's used primarily in building homes and other structures, uh, it has a paper backing on it, and that paper backing has mold spores on it. It just comes that way. There's no way you can get rid of them because they're ubiquitous. Mold everywhere. And so to manufacture, in a, to manufacture wallboard in a sterile environment is not even practical so the key is to not let it get wet it's if it gets wet is when the mold grows the mold mm -hmm. spores are there it's mm -hmm. just uh, you know, it, it's just like that that plant that plant there behind you if you were to culture uh, any part of that plant you would grow a mold so you could culture the bottom of the chair and you'll grow a mold you can look in the closet uh, look at the, the the leather goods in your closet, and if you'll have this little green fuzz on it or black fuzz on it, that's going to be a mold. But it grows when there's moisture and when there's a food source. And what's the food? Is the food source actual food, or what? What does mold survive on? Um, it it survives on paper. It survives on fabric. It survives on old food. You know, you've seen yeah, right. mold growing your oranges in the in the kitchen. It grows on leather. Grows on uh, hat bands. It grows on all sorts of uh, synthetic fabrics, uh, and so it can grow on virtually anything. It's it requires um, carbohydrates, proteins that are naturally occurring in these in these kinds of products that we use every single day. It's when they get wet, it doesn't have to be real wet, doesn't have to be sopping wet, it just has to be moist, and that moisture can come from high humidity, it can come from a, uh, a break in a water pipe or an overflowing toilet, something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, it takes a, a certain amount of, of water to activate the mold spores that are already there. What's the um, best test that, I mean, you talked about like the test with the tape and stuff, but for an average person that's not a microbiologist and PhD like you, <laughs> what is like, what is the, one of the best tests that somebody could do in their home to see if they have mold or in their cars? I, I heard recently of a person that, in 14 weeks, her car was just, she tried bleach and then the mold came back and then she tried bleach again and the mold came back and then it just took over the car. Like in 14 weeks, she said it was just unbelievable. And so what, what kind of test would somebody, um, maybe not to find out what type, maybe you can find out the type, but, but I think any, any type is, uh, can be damaging to human health. Is that correct? Like even the black mold, the aspergillus and... I think that's how you say it, but the um, stachybotrytis, how <laughs> you say those, but I mean, are they all, here's my question with the mold. Um, it does it have, is it close? That was the other thing that Dennis Hooper of the director at Real Time Lab said that it's so close to human DNA because it has DNA and RNA. 
and and therefore it creates my understanding of what he said therefore it creates a real problem for humans because it's so close to the dna am, am i incorrect in that you're a microbiologist you obviously know better than me <laughs> i'm just asking well that. i i mean I, I don't know i can't really address how close the dna of a mold is to a human but i know that molds have the ability fungi have the ability uh, to reproduce to generate or, or to, to reproduce into the next generation because of their genetic material the reason they're a problem for people is that those molds that we are allergic to have certain characteristics that our immune system reacts to and when our immune system reacts to them, that's when we have most of our problems with molds. We have the, the, the hay fever, the eczema, the skin rashes. Um, sometimes we get mold or fungi infections. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's the it just seems like it's off the chart what it does. Is that because it gets it, rather than from the mouth to the anus, like in the, the open part, it gets into the closed part of the body. So the, the bloodstream and is that, does it go through the gut somehow? Does it, is it through a, through like a leaky gut or, and I realize you're not a medical doctor um, or maybe you are. <laughs> Do you well, it, it can enter that way, but keep in mind that the, the allergens, that part of the mold that creates problems with allergies are part of the chemical makeup of the mold. It's not just the whole mold. It's, for example, the cell wall of a mold is allergenic. And uh, it's, it's, I'm sorry. And it's, it's allergenic in nature? Is that what you yes. said? Okay. Yes, it's allergenic. The, the, the composition of the mold spore and the mold hyphae are allergenic. And uh, kind of like pollen is allergenic. It incites or creates an allergic response uh, mm -hmm. in a patient. And so it, it doesn't take the whole mold or the entire uh, colony of mold to create a problem for a patient. It's if you can breathe it in, you can get in your, through your eyes, you can, uh, you can eat it, uh, you can pick it up through the skin, and uh, so it's a, it's a situation where it's not just the mold itself, it's some of the chemical characteristics of the mold that create the problems for people. The number one problem with mold in humans is the allergic response that we have. People are allergic to, to mold. And then on top of that, you have molds that produce toxins, mycotoxins, that can uh, create all sorts of problems, everything from um, oh, neurological toxicity to conditions that uh, allow for or that prevent food from being digested properly. So mm -hmm. these toxins are metabolic waste products from the mold themselves. I had written down like a whole list of stuff that I was just going to write off. I'm looking for it <laughs> in all my paperwork. But I mean, the, the, I, I was blown away that mold can create infertility and create so many issues for women. I mean, I mean, just with the, the endocrine system and, um, and, and then in addition, it's like fibromyalgia and uh, I mean, even uh, gosh, I, the digestive issues and so many things. And, I, I just don't understand what I've been trying to understand is it's an allergen, but why does it create such deep seated issues in people? What, what is it? Is it the mycotoxins that are getting in that, that can't, what you're talking about, they're emitting or um, I, my understanding is that when they're in survival mode, they emit, emit these mycotoxins, this toxic stuff to us. That's the chemical part. Is that correct? And that gets in and then, well, that's that. The mycotoxins are part of it, but probably the bigger part are the allergenic components that activate our immune system, and then the immune system begins to 
combat or begins to fight the allergens and fight off the the mold allergens, but at the same time, that immune system will turn on us. And we get these autoimmune diseases because we've reacted to mold and the characteristics of the mold are similar to some of our tissue and some of our cells and some of our blood components. And so we have this internal battle between antibodies and our own tissue, our own cells. So a lot of that is started by exposure to mold. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a, a, a struggle, an arm wrestling struggle between the body and the mold. And then when the body responds to the mold, it also responds to certain parts of the human, of the human makeup. You may or may not know this, the answer to this question, but is there, um, do you know if there's mold in vaccines when they create them? That depends on the vaccine. I mean, it, if it's a vaccine against um, a particular mold, then uh, it, it, it would have a mold in it. If, if, if it was a vaccine against Aspergillus, for example, then of course it would have Aspergillus in the vaccine or okay. some component of the Aspergillus. Is there a vaccine for mold? I never even well, when I say vaccine, I'm talking about things like uh, they're used for scratch tests, uh, skin tests to determine whether or not you're allergic to a particular mold or not. Oh, oh, I, I'm speaking specifically to like, you know, measles, mumps, rubella, flu shot. Is there well, there should, there should not be mold or fungi in any, uh, in any vaccine. You know, we, we, we read about uh, situations where uh, biological medications are contaminated with mold, but those, those molds usually get into the vaccine or get into the medicine uh, through a contamination process, poor manufacturing or uh, process or some problem in the actual handling of the, the medicine itself or the vaccine itself. But they certainly shouldn't be there. The um, frequencies, uh, EMFs and Wi-Fi, do you know any of that and how it works with mold? Have you ever tested for that or seen how it, how it affects it at all? Or is that out of no, your scope? No, I've not seen any of that. I've seen reports of that. Uh, frankly, most of them I've seen don't make any sense to me. So I still have to, have to do a little bit more research on it. But, uh, mm -hmm. but I've really not seen anything that's authoritative as it relates to uh, the impact of environmental conditions, uh, you know, whether it's Wi-Fi or whether it's a, a, a power line that goes over the house or some um, other environmental condition that might affect the mold. I, I don't know anything about that. Mm -hmm. Does, um, I, I'm real curious as to why the, the, I mean, mold in, in these groups um, that I'm in, they have their homes, they spend a lot of money doing remediation, a lot. Like uh, most of them start around 10,000 and then it'll go up to 20,000 because they're taking out the drywall, putting it back in and, and they're out of their home for a long time. And so it's, it's a huge inconvenience and then it comes back, like the mold comes back. And um, what, what is your, the, your success rate, or not yours, but I mean, you're the one that's the detective and you're the one that goes and finds it and, and creates the report. But what is, when you have a, or when you submit it to a remediation company, do you have any data on whether that mold comes back or is that not something that you follow up with or is there a way to find that kind of data? Well, um, in a home that has had mold in the past, the chances are very good that they'll get mold again. And the reason for that is that mold thrive on moisture. And unless all the moisture conditions are eliminated along with the contaminated wallboard or contaminated fabric and furniture, uh, newspapers, all that, unless all of the conditions are eliminated that support mold growth, it's going to come back. 
I run into a lot of cases where, where people do exactly what you described. They'll take out all the wallboard and dry it out. And they'll paint it with uh, anti-fungal paint. And they'll think, well, I've got this fixed. And then all of a sudden it comes back. And we'll go in and evaluate it. And I'll look over in the corner of the room and there's a stack of old newspapers oh. that has mold growing on it. And they wonder where the mold comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes from those newspapers. Well, I thought it just grew on, just grew on wallboard. I said, what's well, wallboard? It's cellulose. And papers are cellulose. Newspapers are cellulose. So it's this disconnect yeah. sometimes that if you just fix one thing that you're going to fix it all, it doesn't work that way. Mold, molds are everywhere. And if you have the, living, the conditions, the growth conditions for mold, they're going to grow. And so when you go in and try to remediate it, you have to remediate every aspect of it. You have to control uh, the humidity. You have to control or prevent water intrusion. And you have to remove all the water-damaged building materials that are already there. You know, another, another problem that many people have are children's stuffed animals. And uh, you know, I always recommend that people throw them away. If they've had a mold problem, well, a lot of people are not willing to throw away their children's toys because the children get upset. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they don't take those steps that are recommended. And then they wonder where the mold comes from again. Well, it's still on that teddy bear that's stuck in the back of the closet that you elected not to, or you decided that you didn't want to get rid of. And so it, it you know, it's a very, um, very much a tightrope walk to make sure that you eliminate all the conditions that are conducive to the growth of mold. And that is food, which is cellulose containing building materials and water. If you have any of those, either of those um, attributes in your house, you'll grow mold. And then wallboard is one thing, newspapers, magazines, fabric, dust, air conditioning systems, uh, drip pans in the attic on your, on your air conditioning system, uh, the drain pan on, under your hot water heater, that if that water is never cleaned out, then mold will grow in that because mold is in the insulation that's in the attic that's right next to the hot water heater. So it's this whole process of evaluating where to mold grow and then eliminate everything that is conducive to that mold's growth. So in a, um, in a home, say you or building, I know you, I think you do buildings more than homes. I'm not sure, but um, say for a building, for example, there, the, would you have to take out like all the furniture and, and burn it? Would you, I mean, do you have to take it all out, take the walls? Because obviously the, the paper and the wallboard is going to have, uh, it's going to have mold in it. So how do you, how do you remediate? Have you, do you know of companies that have remediated successfully at all? Oh yes. There are a number of successful remediation uh, companies, but, Mm -hmm. and a, a number of successful remediation jobs but those remediation jobs are, are deemed successful when visible mold disappears and when the conditions for mold growth are no longer there. That doesn't mean there's no growth, there's no mold in the house. That just means you can't see it and there's no moisture around to, to allow it to grow. And so to, to think that we can live in a mold-free world it's not going to happen. Right, so, because you said 25% of the biomass is mold. It's when everywhere. You say, when you say biomass, you mean biological, just everywhere, just like the dirt, the trees? The, I mean, what's bio, what does biomass mean? Yeah, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's us. We're part of the biomass. Mm-hmm. Mold is part of it. The trees are part of it. The, mm-hmm. the, the animals, we're part of that biological mass that makes up 
uh, occupants of the world. Mm -hmm. Is there is there anything at all? It, it would seem to me that the um, a chemical company would have created something, some formula that would go in and literally obliterate mold. Like, um, I don't know if there's patented formulas or not. I, um, I, I see that there's, you know, even like at Home Depot and other places, there's mold removal stuff. And, um, and then I hear talk of the, um, is it oxygen <laughs> and, um, and then enzymes that will go in and, and kill mold. What is it that people use to remediate or you don't get involved in that part of it? Yes, we do. Uh, we, we, uh, um, actually I recommend a 10% bleach, 10% household bleach mm -hmm. as the best chemical killer of mold. And uh, it's cheap, it's easy to apply, and it's very effective. It's a, a very effective disinfectant. And, and so there's, there's some paints, different types of paints that have uh, antifungal agents in them that will suppress the mold growth. Doesn't kill it all off, but it'll suppress it and keep it from coming back. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> whatever you painted with that mold, anti-mold paint, if it gets wet again, the mold will grow through it. It'll grow through the paint. So wow. the mold, I mean, the mold wants to live just as much as we do. So it's yeah. going to find a way to survive. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So the, but the idea, and I think for your listeners is, is, and not to be uh, too pessimistic about this, but molds are everywhere. And if you go on a crusade to eliminate all molds, uh, you can't not, do it. Not going to happen. Not going <laughs> to happen. If, I it just, come, if it doesn't come back this year, it'll come back next year. So it's, it's you know, it, in order to control the mold, it's a matter of good housekeeping, a matter of uh, making sure that all of the all spills are cleaned up, uh, mm -hmm. anything that, that's flooded gets dried out really quickly within 24 to 48 hours after it gets wet, it needs to be completely dry. So mm -hmm. that means somebody's house gets flooded, then they need to bring fans in, open the doors, air it out, and dry, dry out the whole area that was uh, damaged with the water. Yeah. Do you know of any, uh, like, if you can, of like diets or, or foods, or I don't know if you even get involved in that, um, but like, if you if you have if you have an issue with mold, can you eat mushrooms? Can you even like uh, tonic mushrooms, like lion's mane or reishi or shaga? Do you know anything about that? Or is that well, if if it's a if it's an edible vegetable and you're not allergic to it, yeah, then then you can eat it. But if you're allergic to molds. Mm -hmm. I'd be very, very careful about eating a mushroom. I mean, mushroom is a mold. And uh, so I, I'd be very careful about that. Is, is candida a fungi? Is candida a mold? Yes, it's, it's a fungi. Uh, it's more commonly known as a yeast. Mm -hmm. It's a type of yeast. And, uh, uh, but yes, it has some of the same characteristics as, as, the molds do. So, so it is a fungi or it is a yeast or that's one in the same. They're just different types. It, it's one in the same. Yeah. They're just mm -hmm. two categories of fungi, uh, a, a yeast and a mold. I, so I keep, I keep them separate. Molds are fuzzy. They grow fuzzily and yeast don't. They grow in concise colonies. And do do antifungals work? Uh, I know they, they don't really work in the paint from what I understand because if the right conditions are there, the mold will grow through it. But do, do the antifungals, the medications, because they have, they can be really taxing on the body and have side effects. Do they work in the body? Do they kill mold? It's an antifungal, but that doesn't mean it actually kills mold spores. Like they, they could be in your lungs, they could be in your brain, they could be in your gut, be in your blood. Well, it'll... The ones that are approved for, 
for use in, in humans and animals will kill mold, but it has to come in contact. That antifungal medication or, or compound has to come in contact with the mold. You can't, oh. you know, if you have a mold infection on your toe, if you have athlete's foot and you put the antifungal on your elbow, it's not going to have any effect. <laughs> you know, it's got to come in contact with it. <laughs> So, so these, so the oral antifungals that you take, if it's not in contact with the mold, that's what we were talking about before this interview. But like with the mold relief, Wayne's product, um, you'd said that, that that his those amino acids had to literally touch the spores in order to kill them, and um, to you know to dissolve the the cell membrane or whatever. Is it the same thing? The antifungals, if they don't touch the mold in your body then it continues to grow and create issues? Right, right. So what's the, what's the point of doing that then? Because people take antifungals, they get super sick, and then and, um, with them or they have side effects and other things, and, and, or sometimes they feel a little bit better for a while, and then it seems to get worse. What's the point of the antifungals? Well, it, it's, it's a matter of whether, you're not a, whether or not you want a full-blown fungal infection or keep it under control with an antifungal medication. Oh, I see. So it's so basically, it's it's dealing with the symptoms. It's it's just keeping it um, keeping it at bay. Yeah, keep it managed. Yes. So you also work with uh, cosmetic companies, and 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 there's uh, like testing. Do you test for mold in cosmetics? Is there yes. mold in cosmetics? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, occasionally there, we'll, we'll find a, a cosmetic that's contaminated with a mold, yes. Is it cosmetics that, like, that we, can you name names, like any, like blush, mascara, because mascara is wet when you put it on. Um, yeah. And so I would imagine inside the tube, mold could get, especially if you're in a moldy home, but Open and not in the tube is, I mean, have you found that in cosmetics? Well, the, the, we found it in the uh, compacts, the powder, what do they call it, the pressed powder that you, uh -huh. uh, that you foundation? use. Foundation, yeah. Uh -huh. uh, we found it in the, the liquid foundations. So, but that's usually a result of, of uh, inadequate control or poor manufacturing uh, processes. Mm -hmm. uh, unless, of course, as you mentioned, unless, of course, that container has been sitting around in the house for a year and it's become contaminated just by being exposed to a mold that's in the house. But uh, we typically test just new products, just products that are going into the marketplace. And by and large, there's not, it's really not a problem. Uh, you know, in the grand scheme of thing, it's not a problem. But when it is a problem, when we do detect it, it's a, it's a very significant thing because you, it, it's just obviously not good to put a contaminated product on your skin. No, <laughs> it's not. No chemicals, not even mold. No. Um, I wanted to ask you about the, when people, remediate when companies remediate and they use that a polymer or something and they spray it and they uh, they spray it around the mold so that it's encapsulated mm -hmm. can can the mold break free of that can the mold come back I mean that's that's a big part of remediation in companies from what I understand and and it just it just seems like you might encapsulate some but like you said, 25% of the biomass is there's mold everywhere. And if you have the right conditions and it's a, a moldy environment, like the humidity, the temperature and, and all of that, then, so if you remediate and encapsulate it, one, can it come out of that encapsulation with the polymer or is it like stuck in there or forever until that it breaks down? It would seem it would, it would break down a polymer, right? Or if that is a polymer. And well, then, those encapsulate type of compounds they do break down over time but if they if there's a crack in it you know after it dries and 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 has uh, been uh, 
sitting there for a while, the mold can uh, erupt through that encapsulant and then grow on an area that's close to that area that had been encapsulated in the first place. Okay. The other problem is that some molds will use will eat that encapsulant material. They'll, <laughs> oh they'll use gosh. that as a food source. Yeah. Is it because so, it's I said a polymer, but you said it can eat like um, clothes that are basically plastic. So does it eat plastic? You said cellulose and right. They'll eat plastic because they're because they're they're carbon plastics and these encapsulants are many of them are or most of them are organic chemicals and wow. organic materials in nature. So um, molds can use those as a food source. My gosh, this is. I mean, it, it really seems to be an epidemic. I mean, uh, and I realize that there's no way that we can live without mold. Um, and really, you don't want to because I'm sure, I believe that there's a reason for everything, whether it be fire ants or, <laughs> you know, I mean, wasps. I mean, they pollinate sure. and, and mold has to have a function. I know penicillin but and cheese, but there, there has to be a, a reason that it's around and it's, probably was around before we were around and um, right. but it has to have like a, a function besides those things that um, I just, I, I don't understand why it's, I guess because it's new to me and I know so many people that are so sick and know of so many people in, in the groups. I mean, it's um, the doctors call them crazy. They send them to a psychiatrist or a therapist because there's the tests come back normal and, I mean, all the blood tests, all the other tests that they take, and they just, um, they, they know it's mold because they were in a moldy home where they grew up moldy and they, they learned of it, and they're just so sick. They, um, they, they can't get up. They have headaches. They, they can't, they're not, they just don't function well, and they feel sick. And then they leave a moldy home and they feel better, but then it's like they take that mold even though they have left so many, so many that I had know of one in Austin, Texas, totally left their home. All, they left all the belongings. I don't know what they did with the home and everything. And they moved to Arizona. And, um, but in one of the, the groups I'm in all of a sudden mold, she didn't know whether it was coming out of her lungs or something, but mold came back. Is that, is that because it's in your body? So it's no matter if you throw away all your belongings and everything, it's in your body and it's going to come out. Well, it, it could be. I mean, she, the mold is there. If she moved from Austin, Texas to, uh, to Arizona, then she took some of the Austin, Texas mold spores with her. And Arizona has their own variety of mold. Mm -hmm. And to and to think that you know if you move you're going to eliminate exposure to mold is really not uh, is not realistic. You might reduce your level of exposure, but you're not going to eliminate it. And and getting back to the the health effects, it's if you have a response to a mold, an allergic type response to a mold, then the chance of that antibody or that immune response attacking part of your own body is, is a real thing. So you can have an antibody to some part of a mold and that same antibody could attack part of your body. And that's what can create uh, a lot of the health effects that we see in patients who have these kind of unknown Conditions. We just don't know uh, what's what's all going on and what the effect of the immune system is on these uh, autoimmune type of conditions. So, what do you do? What does a person do? Well, you eliminate what's called avoidance therapy. Number one, you try to stay clear of those, those molds as best you can. Uh, and then if you can't do, if you can't do that, then you have to suppress your immune system to some degree. And you don't want to do that too much, but you suppress your right. immune system so that you don't react quite as strongly okay. as you would otherwise. Uh, and then you stay healthy. You know, you eat right, you manage your stress, uh, 
you uh, stay away from the chemical additives in food, uh, drink clean water, exercise, healthy lifestyle, keep your body healthy, keep it fit, keep it strong. That really uh, helps a lot in terms of heading off the problems with uh, these autoimmune diseases. Will, will fasting kill mold if you fast? Do you know if that, will that, is that something that will, the body will then have the opportunity to go in and, and eat up the mold spores like autophagy or something like that? Will, it, will the body do that? No, fasting won't, fasting won't kill anything. All it does is make you feel sick. Make you feel bad. You know, you feel bad so, you know, it, it may, fasting may help detoxify and, and get some of the, the, you know, the bad metabolic breakdown products out of your system. But uh, mm -hmm. fasting is, uh, um, well, the body requires energy. To run and if you fast then it needs to be a selective fast you know not just to say well I'm not going to eat for a week then that's not really a very smart thing to do we're just not built to function that way <laughs> we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this one because I'm on day four of a fast and I've done 23 days that's my longest and uh, and, and, how, and it, how did you it, feel at the end of 23 days amazing I didn't even want to 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 uh, eat again it was, I mean, I felt light, I felt happy, and, and it was just that I got that, there's, there's, a, there's a, a difference, a, a edge between hunger and starvation, and once you hit that hunger, you, then your body is no longer, it's not autophagy, but basically it starts eating the organs and the muscles and stuff like that, so you have to be, you have to really know your body, and, um, but it got rid of so many things that was happening, even like a uh, thing in my uh, I don't know, it's a protein or a, or a, a something in my eye, a floater, got rid of half of it. And then um, one of Wayne's products, the, the, is it the Derma? Oh, the Flora PM got rid of the other half in a couple of days. <laughs> so, um, so it just, well, good, yeah. yeah, but there, there are a lot of things. So we'll just agree to disagree on that one. Um, is there anything else that like you, you talk about water, we have like another three minutes. Do you, what is it that you're doing with water that um, in, in cleaning the water or is, is there mold in water? Is it, I know we're talking about mold, but um, is there something you'd like to add? Like the way that people, is there a good filtration system? And, and don't let me forget, cause I don't think we got the answer to like a test that people can do in their own home besides the tape. I think we got sidetracked on that. At least I don't remember the answer if we did. So you want to talk a little bit about water and, and filtration, maybe a filtration system or something? Or what well, you're doing? I, I think, yeah, I, I think in terms of just overall water quality, uh, people need to be reassured that for the most part, if they live in a community that has a public water system, that public water system's water has to meet stringent guidelines in order to be uh, considered safe to drink. And we get a lot of questions about, well, is my water safe to drink? And, and I tell people, if you live in a public water system, or if you live in a community that has a, an approved public water system, then the water is, uh, you can feel good about, pretty good about that water that you're drinking. Now then, if you have a private well, though, that's another thing. And you have to be very careful about how well, how deep the well is, how well it's maintained. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm what is around the well is it you know is there a livestock pen that's just up the hill from the from the well you have to right. consider those types of things that the number one problem with water well uh, contamination is bacteria it's the e coli bacteria and that's the type of testing that we do a lot of we do uh, well like you mentioned with the uh, the state's largest drinking water laboratory but people bring so many samples from private wells because they want to make sure that it's not contaminated with E. coli. And so wow. we do that, that type of testing. Um, and anybody that, you know, any of your, any of your listeners or viewers that uh, if they'll go on our website, 
and uh, if they're interested in having their water tested, then we can send them all the materials, all the sample containers and what have you, that they would need to take a water sample and send it back to us to be tested. Uh, That's great. What, where, what is your website where they can send that if they're interested in doing that? Yeah, the website is www.novatx.com. Texas. Novatex.com. Yeah. That's pretty good. Don't mess with Texas. Are you a native to Texas? Yes, yes. I, uh, the only time I've lived out of the state is uh, while I was in school in Arkansas. Because you definitely have a drawl. <laughs> That's what people say. You know, I've listened to it so long, I don't recognize it. <laughs> well, it sounds really cute. I love it. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about um, the – did you – I don't really want to get to a long discussion here, but you had said there's a lot of disinformation about mold and, and stuff out there. Did, did we cover all that? Did you, do you feel comfortable with covering all that? Yeah, you know, pretty much. I, I would want to encourage your, your viewers and your listeners to, to uh, take heart, be, just understand that this is a very complex set of circumstances that li can lead to fungal problems or lead to um, mold problems in the home. Uh, so whatever they do, become educated about it, become knowledgeable about it, and, and don't buy everything that comes along because if you, think in, if you think in terms of a mold, a mold wants water and it wants something to eat. So that's what you have to, in order to control the mold, you have to control the water and you have to control the food source. And so it becomes a, a situation where there is no magic cure for mold in a home. Uh, so it comes down to managing the environmental conditions. For example, in, in Louisiana, Southeast Texas, a lot of people put in dehumidifiers to keep the humidity in their homes, uh, around 40 or 50 percent. Otherwise, it'd be up around 70 or 80 percent, and that's enough to allow mold to grow. So just be knowledgeable about it and uh, uh, know that it's a, uh, molds are everywhere, and most of the time there's no problem, but it's when there is a problem that we have to be smart about how we try to, to conquer that problem. Mm -hmm. Do you have any funny stories? You're kind of a serious guy from what I can see. <laughs> Do you have any funny stories? you have any uh, in, in any mold removal or it, uh, anything that's happened or, or in your testing? Anything interesting? Oh, gee, funny stories. Let's see. Come on, Dr. Pierce. You can do it. <laughs> Dig. I, I think that I, I, uh, I'm not sure that they're funny, and I'm certainly not going to. I don't want to make them. I don't want to make them funny just for a laugh, so to speak. But uh, so many people run into it time and time again. That uh, well, it's like my story with the newspaper uh, stacked up in the corner. There, people people spent a lot of money and did all of their research and said, I'm gonna get this special kind of sheetrock and I'm gonna get this special kind of paint and I'm gonna eliminate mold from my house. Mm -hmm. And write me a remediation plan, so I did. And I told them, okay, you gotta control the water and you have to control the food source. Okay, we can do all of that. Tell me what food source is. I said, anything that, that can support the growth of a microorganism, paper, fabrics, all this sort of thing, stuffed animals, and said, okay, we're going to do all this, come back and see us in six months. And so we did. Papers were still there, and they were still <laughs> complaining about the mold. And I said, well, why did you throw away the paper? Oh, there's a, 19, there's a 1968 paper in the bottom of that stack that has something to do with man landing on the moon. I didn't want to get rid of that. So you... 
to me that's funny, <laughs> but no, at the I, same I, time, I, it's not so <laughs> funny because they're trying to fix something, but they're not right. really willing to try to fix it. So that's yeah. Uh, so it's not funny, haha, or that they still have a mold issue, but it's 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 like. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, what do you mold? say? What, what do you say? You, you can't say it. Well, well, you just can't say what you want to say sometimes. You want to say, you're an idiot. You said <laughs> I said it. You're the host. I'm not. So you can say that. No, yeah. I, just, I just, more than anything, I just encourage people to, to be smart about stuff and, and to spend the time to, to learn about it rather than just spending a lot of money. I mean, that it's sometimes it's, people think they can just throw a lot of money at something that's going to fix it. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, common sense will prevail. And, uh, mm-hmm. but you have to have a little bit of knowledge, uh, a little bit of knowledge too. So, uh, that's about as funny as I get. I think I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. So it's uh, www.nova, N-O-V-A-T-X.com. And that's, and, and that's where if somebody wants to get something tested, they can right. go. And did, and did the last thing, did we talk about the actual test? Do you remember <laughs> did the uh, test that people can get um, that, that can, they can check their mold on their own to make, see if there is mold? Well, yeah, that, that's a question. We didn't really hit that too much. If, if people are really interested, we have a home mold test where we can send a, a Petri dish, a set, what we call a settling plate uh-huh. and some slides, some glass slide, microscope slides, and some transparent tape. And if people want to collect samples for themselves, they can collect them and then send them back to us for analysis. But most importantly, again, I encourage people just to be smart about this. If you see conditions, if you see wet wallboard and you see a little bit of black growth or brown growth or discoloration, that's mold. So how much more do you want to know Does it matter what kind of mold it is? Not really. It's going to be a problem. So go ahead and take the remediation steps to to fix that particular problem. Is mildew mold? Mildew is mold, yes. Okay. Well, I think that you you even gave us a funny thing with your all seriousness. (laughs) Well, next time we do this, I'll come up with something funnier than that. (laughs) That's, That's totally fine. So, um, thank you, Dr. Pierce. I, I truly appreciate it. And if you just hold on one second, we'll uh, say goodbye to everybody. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the Wild and Free Healthy You podcast. We love you and and truly um, appreciate that you take the time to listen and educate yourself on things of health because your health is your number one asset. And my job is to help you protect it. And that's what this podcast is all about. Thank you, Dr. Pierce, again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to You Podcast. I appreciate you so incredibly mucho. Make sure you always take care of you first because your health is your number one asset. To listen to more podcasts, check out LennyMotivates.com and follow me on Instagram at LennyMotivates. Don't forget to share them with your family and friends. Remember to always be your biggest fan and your biggest cheerleader because no one can love you more than you can. Take care of you. Ciao.